Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. The Athletic. Hello everyone, I'm Danny Kelly and I'm your host. I enjoy that uh, exalted position of the View from the Lane, the Tottenham Hotspur podcast, where as we always promise you, all thriller, very little filler. I'm joined in the podcast today by the athletic Charlie Eccleshare, making a welcome return. Um, and of course, James Moore is here with us as well. And they'll be answering some of the questions posed by our subscribers to The Athletic. Lots of questions came in. We'll pick the best of them and we'll try and answer those a little later in the show. But first, I think um, it would be remiss of us not to talk about a series of events in Sao Paulo in Brazil, the like of which I, having watched football for half a century, I thought I'd seen absolutely everything. But people with clipboards and pandemic masks uh, walking onto the pitch to demand the removal of, let's be fair, Spurs players from said pitch. Um, I've never seen the likes before. If For part of this, at least, I shall put on... Um, this straw hat that I've got is a sharecropper's hat. Um, it won't work on the radio and, of course, on this podcast. But if I'd been to South America on a jaunt, this is how I would look. <laughs> you both laugh here now. That's very mm-hmm. good. Um, and um, But that's, it appears to me, Charlie, I don't, know, I, mean, I don't know which of you is the, is the expert on South American politics. This is nuts what's happened with the Spurs players. Not only, and I include, I, I, I'm separating them. The three of them, including the fellow who went to Colombia, I'm separating them from the Aston Villa players because it turns out the Villa players had permission. Now, they had permission to do something that was still wrong, but at least they had permission. What have you made of what's gone on with Christian Romero, Giovanni Lo Celso, and to some extent, Davidson Sanchez? Yeah, I mean, it was spent most of yesterday working on a piece that went up this morning on um, just trying to do, as, you're, as you say, trying to make sense of it because it is an extraordinary... Uh, situation when you've got federal police and um, health agency officials <laughs> storming the pitch to uh, to kind of tell them to leave or you know to deport them from the country and I mean like, we won't get too much into the kind of Brazil Argentina side suffice to say tensions there remain very high but yeah from a Spurs perspective um, it's it's there's so much to unpack, really, because all Premier League clubs were initially unanimous. That they didn't want their players going to red list countries on this international break because of um, the quarantining they'd have to do on their return and how that would affect the clubs. Then Villa sort of broke ranks and said, actually, Martinez and Buendia could go with Argentina. Then you have this slightly weird situation with Spurs, whereby they weren't happy. They didn't want the players to go. You know, They wanted Romero, Lo Celso and Sanchez to stay put. But they were more or less told, well... We are going, and but to try and placate the club, they came up with this plan that they would stop off in Croatia on the way back, so they could tr- quarantine there effectively. But it would mean they could train, which is what they're going to do now, rather than being stuck in a hotel room where they obviously couldn't. Really and do and also, if I'm correct, they also stopped off in Venezuela 
on the way out so that they could honestly say um, that they hadn't traveled directly from Britain, as if that would fool the Brazilian authorities, particularly as they had advertised their journey with that hilarious Instagram picture of the four of them um, giving thumbs up as their aeroplane shot over Big Ben in the middle of the night. I do, yeah, I do like the idea of um, of them, of whoever filled in the forms. We don't really know if it was them leaving UK off and hoping <laughs> that, that that might sort of pass muster. We've all done as it. if like that. Yeah, that they won't remember. Um, I mean, the, the sense I got, or the sense that people have in Austria, in uh, Argentina and Brazil, is that the two FAs would have kind of reached an agreement that look, this will this will be okay. Um, you know, we we can do this. Otherwise, they wouldn't really have gone. But then the health um, agency and Visa got involved, and they were like, "No, this this isn't happening." Um, so you've got this like complete disconnect even uh, within within the country. Then obviously it all kicks off on Sunday night. Spurs are watching, being like, "Well, this is kind of exactly why we were wary of this happening." And and it's a bit of a semantic issue is the extent to which they allowed the players to go or agree to this Croatia plan. You know, it's a bit like if you if you tell someone you're doing something and they don't stop you, is that kind of you know uh, they're not necessarily on board with it. But anyway, so it all yeah all kicked off. Spurs are left feeling a little bit well quite a lot frustrated with how it's played out. At least, though, they are, the Celso and Romero are going to Croatia, or are in Croatia, they went last night. It looked for a long time yesterday as if they were staying because... To play against Bolivia, I think it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah Bolivia on Thursday night, Friday morning UK time. Um, because Martinez and Buendia, the Aston Villa players, they were kind of waved off by Argentina earlier in the day. No mention of Romero and the Celso. At that time... Speaking to people in Argentina, they thought they were going to stay put. And obviously the manager, Scaloni, had said last week that actually, despite this agreement in inverted commas, that they would only play the first two games, they were in fact going to be available for the third. So at least they are in Croatia now. They've got a conditioning coach from Spurs out with them and they can kind of you know stay in shape and then be in with the chance of facing Chelsea uh, in a couple of weeks' time. Whereas it looked, if they'd stayed on, for this uh, Bolivia game, they would have missed that game and been doubts to the North London derby. So it's kind of the best of a very bad and weird situation. But this is going to rumble on because they're internationals in October and November. So, yeah, this certainly isn't the last you've heard of it. And the, and again, it's a triumvirate of internationals. So not only are the South American players of the European clubs, and of course the clubs signed them, um, knowing there were South American internationals, but they didn't understand the intensity caused, caused by covid and playing the Copa America when they could have. It was an extra Copa America, don't yeah. forget. They could have and should have played the World Cup qualifiers this summer. Mm. They've left themselves in an extraordinary position. I mean, nobody can yet say when this, if, if they don't declare Brazil the winners of the game with Argentina, which will cause pandemonium in the South American football authorities, um, there's, no, there's no date in which that game can be played. The biggest international in world football... There has, they haven't got a place where they can play. Incidentally, before I get James's view on this, um, Charlie, you're our resident linguist. Um, do you know what the Spanish for fiasco is? No, I don't. Please tell me. It's, it's El Fiasco. Uh, yeah. Uh, question, yeah. It's El Fiasco. El Fiasco yeah. is my uh, wrestling name. <laughs> yeah. I, I, do you wear one of those masks, yeah, yeah, James? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, good. Well, that's a shame because your lovely visage here is shining in front of me. Um, look, um, I think Charlie has given a very um, uh, erudite, uh, neutral opinion of what went on there. Yeah, grown up. As a yeah. Spurs, as a Spurs fan, 
I think this is a load of nonsense. And uh, I mean, I don't. I, I know the the PFA will only allowed to be fined two weeks' wages, but they should also be given what my old dad, if he was still with us, would describe as a leather injection, a boot up the backside. Yeah, I, I can't. I actually can't work out whether I'm annoyed with the players or not. So Jack, Jack, who isn't with us today, has written a column this morning saying. Don't blame the players. You know, getting Messi to the World Cup is a of massive course, thing for them. Of course he and, has. Of yeah, course he's he has. Them up. It's pathetic. Um, but it does seem to me like they've, they've kind of been caught between like the two associations. Uh, sorry, FIFA, uh, the South American Association, the Argentine Association and Spurs. It's also a bit of a mess, really. And having thought those scenes that we saw with the health officials on the pitch was the maddest thing I'd ever seen in football. Mm. And you expect that to come from South America. I've just remembered... Do you remember when Enna Valencia was like, was he arrested on the pitch? He kind of got an injury and went Something off in like a that. game, and he like, <laughs> like he was like chased around the pitch on the back of like a sort of gurney, and they were chasing him around the pitch. That, that suddenly just come to my mind. It's all, it's all why I absolutely love and adore South American football and watch it as much as I can. Uh, up to and my tolerance goes up to and including the point when Spurs start losing <laughs> yeah, footballers yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. because of the nonsense of uh, South American football. James, you, you you managed to avoid the question. Do you who do you think do you think they are to blame in any way? The players. I mean, I, I don't think so, really. No. I mean, I just think they did be caught in. Like I said, I, mean, I think they've been caught in the middle of it, and and I think probably FIFA more than anyone else needed to kind of intervene there. I mean, this problem it was kind of obvious that it was going to come, wasn't it? And I don't think anyone's really come in and, and given like a sort of hard and fast rule. You know, if the Premier League, I know the Premier League put out that statement between the twenty clubs saying that players wouldn't be allowed to go, but that was a sort of informal agreement, really, wasn't it? More than an official rule, which I would have had to have come from FIFA. So, you know, I don't think I don't blame the players for wanting to play in that game. I mean, could they oh, refuse sure. to play? Yes, no, they no, could. Sure. But you know, the World Cup coming up at the end or halfway through next season. Uh, I mean, it's also a fact, isn't it? I, think, I mean, forgive me, I'm not an expert on these uh, uh, international relations uh, through COVID nineteen. The reason why the others weren't in pro- trouble is that it's only um, the UK um, that has this red list reciprocal ha- hate relationship with the various South American countries. Um, if um, Giovanni La Celso had been lucky enough, for instance, to play for Shamrock Rovers here in the Republic of Ireland, where I live, he'd have had no problem. He can go uh, to, to Brazil. I think well, this is a, a rolling story, but the idea, and I think listeners to a Spurs podcast, the idea... That's two of us. I mean, does anyone know what's happening with Sanchez? Has he also gone uh, to the hol- to, to Croatia? But were you about to say the holiday camp? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> a- a- anything but. Um, yeah, yeah. Oh, hang gone. on. Anyone suspect me to? I've spent some time in Croatia. Everyone's on holiday most of the time. It's lovely. It, it is lovely. Uh, he Sanchez went yesterday as well, but he's actually suspended for the for their next game um, anyway, so he couldn't play. So that was an easier. Uh, negotiation. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's there. So it's the three of them and then the two Aston Villa guys. As, as people have pointed out, it's quite a five-a-side team that they've got. Yeah. The thing, the thing that I found quite strange was there was a point uh, possibly like halfway through Monday where it seemed like it was going to be the two Villa players and Davinson Sanchez in Croatia and not the two Spurs players in the Argentina squad, which would be like an insane dynamic. <laughs> like, presumably they don't know each other. Obviously, they all speak Spanish. Yeah. But a, a, a Colombian from Spurs and two Argentine players from Villa together training it would have been really awkward for Sanchez I mean he really would have felt like the third wheel there wouldn't he 
Yeah, also, um, I'm not sure about a five-a-side team starring Davinson Sanchez, much as I admire some of his defensive skills. Um, Maybe in a minority of one in all of that. So just to finish that sentence, the idea Apparently, by the way, just on that, uh, just on the football itself, apparently he had a pretty ropey uh, couple of performances, which is a shame because I think he had started the season really well. Yeah, his, his, his regular partner uh, in the Colombian back four, Yerry Mina, missed yeah. the games. And the two of them seemed to complement each other very well. Um, and the fellow who replaced him, I'm not blaming him, um, set Davinson off on one of his, how can we put it, less secure periods mm. of, of play. OK, let's take a break. When we come back, we'll, um, we'll do what we said we would do, which was we asked the uh, subscribers to The Athletic, God bless them, to send us uh, serious or not-for-so-serious questions about Spurs. Inevitably, they were all very serious. And you've picked out the best of them, and we'll try and answer them as a group um, as we go through the rest of this edition of The View from the Lane. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Yeah, you're listening to The View from the Lane. I'm Danny Kelly. Alongside me are Charlie Eccleshare and James Moore. Very kindly um, offered to answer your questions as directly and truthfully as they can. Really great crop of questions. Thank you for bringing us those. And uh, we'll try and answer them as many as we can. Um, James, first to you. Uh, And this is an add-on to what the madness we're talking about from Sao Paulo. The obvious uh, problem for Spurs is that uh, one of the two centre-backs who's been starting the, the games in Spurs' triumphant start to the season um, and one who would be expected to play very soon in Christian Romero. Sanchez and Romero are both now out of the next game. How are Spurs going to fill the gap? Who's going to play alongside, well, I presume, Eric Dyer? Yeah, I mean, as I see it, I guess there are two options. One would be shifting Tanganga inside and chucking Emerson Royal, mm-hmm. presum- Royale, sorry, presumably straight into the team rather than Doherty, I guess. But I, I suspect that may be seen as slightly too soon for Emerson Royale, you know, who probably only trained with the first team group or the players that are even there like two or three times so far. And, you know, the rest of the players obviously will come back in the second half of this week. So that, I, that to me seems unlikely. And the other option, which I guess is possibly also unlikely given he also won't have trained that much, is Joe Roden coming in at centre-half. Um, he's just started training with Wales this week. And if he plays for... Estonia, uh, for Wales against Estonia on Wednesday night, maybe that will put him in contention. I mean, uh, I don't think either of those are really, really ideal solutions. You know, Roden had an, such an amazing Euros, didn't he? I mean, I think for, he's probably the best centre-back in the tournament up to the point that Wales conceded four goals mm-hmm. against uh, against Denmark, which may sound stupid. But, uh, you know, certainly in the group stage, I think he was probably the best centre-back. And, uh, you know, I think most people would have expected him to have started the season. And it is unfortunate that he's he's missed out of you know, another opportunity to kind of get a bit of momentum in the first team. Quite tricky with Joe because I, I apply the eye test to him. I, look, his publicity so far, playing for Spurs, has been terrific. Um, and partially, I think that's been driven by the fact that Sanchez and Dyer were so poor in the second half of last season. I have to say, for me, and again, this is only applying what I always say, the, the, the evidence of my own eyes, I'm not sure why everyone's so thrilled um, about Joe Roden. Um, he's, he's committed and he wants to defend. Those are good things. His positioning and his pace, I'm not so certain about. And he, he seems to me to be one of those younger players 
who people are building up because they're not in the team. They want to improve the team by bringing someone. We'll see how it goes with Joe. Charlie, what do you think, well, Charlie? There are, there are a couple of things I'd say on that. I mean, just mm. thinking ahead to the weekend, if he does play with Dyer. Yeah. It was the game at Chelsea last season, if you remember the nil-nil, where Alderweireld was injured and Spurs were on this great defensive run and it was a bit like, oh, is this going to throw things? But rather than bring Sanchez in, Mourinho brought Roden in. And he, he made he made a couple of little mistakes, but he played really, really well. He did play really and well, Spurs yeah. Spurs picked up a clean sheet against you know a pretty formidable um, attack. And there was a game at Sheffield United where he played as well, which is remembered for the end on Bele goal, but he was mm. really good there as well. So I think they've... That was in a free that game, though, I think, wasn't it? Sheffield yeah, United. it was, yeah. Was free, yeah. But I mean, he's done enough that you know you, you can see why there is a bit of buzz around him I mean I agree Danny you know often with these younger players who haven't played a lot of course because they don't have there's not as much evidence negatively especially for defenders you know he's ma- he's obviously made fewer mistakes than Davinson because he's played so much less but um but I do think he's a, yeah I do, I do think he's a promising player he was also unfortunate because last year he wasn't registered in the Europa League group stage matches which would have been perfect for him to play yeah that was yeah, that which, was, which was a real shame obviously he will have that this time around so hopefully he can kind of find his feet a bit in those conference league games and then uh you know make his case to be starting the premier league i i mean I, that that requires fewer changes in a way um you know rather than the other option as james sure. says which is you move, move Tanganga, Tanganga across which is two things and i think at the moment you probably want to keep it as uh similar to what it has been um but yeah, we'll see. It's it's yeah. certainly not ideal given how many centre backs they have that suddenly very few are available. Yeah, well, I must admit I'm not. Uh, and this again is because I'm, I may uh, uh, be living my football life from a previous era. I'm not a great one for betting Emerson Royal in. He's playing for Barcelona. Come on, get him on the pitch and uh, let's see what he can do. Thank you very much. That was Rupert A who gave us that question. A uh, question from Anthony P. Um, who says, asking Charlie, actually, we talked about the Celso and Romero and Sanchez, and we t- and we, you know, we know for definite, because it's in your piece, no doubt, that they will be fined by the club. And what, um, what Ashton Anthony wants to know is whether they are really angry with these players or whether, for the sake of uh, optics, they have to, uh, to find them for you know, breaching what, was the, what they were told not to do. Yeah, it's an interesting one, that. I mean, the sense I get is that they are they are pretty frustrated with it and pretty angry. I mean, and, you know, you could say, you know, from the player's point of view, well, they did, again, it comes down to that semantics. They 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 were aware of the plan, even if from their perspective, they say they were never happy about it. But I think they are genuinely pretty angry about it. And especially now, because of the way things played out, it is a bit of an embarrassment for the club when you've got two of your players being chased off a pitch by a couple of health officials and, um, you know, law enforcement <laughs> Uh, representative. So I don't I don't think the optics of that are great. And yes, that might have partly contributed to why Spurs were particularly annoyed about it. But I do think it is an interesting dynamic because you've got a guy in Christian Romero who comes in this summer, biggest exactly. summer signing, huge amount of buzz, uh, has barely played for the club and already is getting a fine and can probably expect a pretty frosty reception at Hotspur Way. So it's not an ideal situation. And it's one that it's not one that you can sort of put in that denial file and hope goes away because it's going to come up again in a few weeks' time. Um, you know, I, I don't think it's going to count against them massively long term. But I do wonder as well if it, if it's something that now becomes more of a consideration when signing players. Um, you know, if, if you think there used to be this idea, and it may still exist, that some clubs were wary of signing players who played for African countries because you'd lose yeah. them midway through a season. And that was genuinely thought to be a consideration. And I do wonder if in this COVID world, 
maybe you could say that's short term. But, you know, th- this could, if they played all the games that they're supposed to play, that would leave them playing very little for Tottenham uh, between now and Christmas. Um, so I do wonder if it will slightly inform the kind of players that Paratici goes after going forward. I'd love to know what those three players are going to be thinking, assuming they watch the game like on TV or whatever on Saturday. Like, uh, obviously from their perspective, like it's quite good for them in a way if Spurs lose because it gives the impression they need to be in a team. But obviously, like like the worst Spurs do in the matches they miss, the, the bigger the funk is going to be when they come back. So I do, I do kind of wonder what it will be like, that dynamic of those three watching that Palace game on Saturday lunchtime. I suppose we um, end on on the, uh, the goings-on in Brazil. I suppose we should say the players are lucky to be back in Croatia. Liverpool's Naby Keita um, was stuck in Guinea um, after he played an African World Cup qualifier there after a coup broke out around him. So at least we haven't had that. And that's a genuine human worry. Terrible though COVID is. Um, I spoke to Tim Vickery, um, my colleague in South America, and he's been keeping up to date throughout the pandemic with the goings on in Brazil, just as a background to what we've been talking about. I mean, per head of capita, um, if that's not, that's actually a tautology, isn't it? Um, They've lost more people than anybody else. I mean, it's been absolutely dreadful in Brazil. But, and thank, thank whatever God you worship for this, they are getting it somewhat under control. The situation in Colombia at the moment is not so good, and that's why Davidson Sanchez is another one who probably should have taken very careful consideration before he took the private jet out. Let's move on then. Uh, James, this is a really, I'm really fascinated with this question. This is from Jack M, um, who is, of course, uh, asking from the excellent position of Spurs bestriding the Premier League like Colossus, looking down with their nine maximum points on everyone else, wonders what's going to happen this month. There are nine points available in September. Palace away, Chelsea at home, Arsenal away. James, what would constitute a good or very good September for Spurs? Well, on the basis of gradings, which I think it sounds like what Jack was after, I mean, obviously, nine points from those three games. You know, Chelsea, Chelsea at home and Arsenal away in particular. You know, they're they're huge games for Spurs, as we know. So nine points clearly would be a star. Um, I think that goes about saying. Then seven is an A, isn't it? I mean, uh, you know, if if mm. they beat pa- beat Palace, beat Arsenal, draw against Chelsea. I mean, to be honest, even that feels like it's it's almost a star territory. That isn't it? I think be very happy with that. I think six points beat Palace, lose to Chelsea, who we think are going to be incredibly strong this season, then beat Arsenal, which obviously is going to be a big positive for us. I think we'd be very happy with that. You'd look favourably on that, wouldn't you? Yeah. So maybe, that's a B, maybe even B plus. This is a, I'm glad you didn't mark my A-levels. I've got to be honest, these are very stern, these, <laughs> these marks. I mean, let's be fair. If, if they get, in my opinion, I'll see what Charlie thinks, if they got those nine points that you fantasised a little earlier, I'd be saying you have to consider them contenders for the league title. If they've got nine points from those games and maximum points from their first six, I'm I'm breaking out the champagne. <laughs> I'm, look, I'm, only, I'm, I'm, pure, I'm purely going on this academic standard that has been sat by Jack. I'm not, I'm not look, I can't get, I can't give any more than that. Okay, so even if they get six points from three London derbies, they're only, you're only giving them a B. Man, you're tough. That is very tough indeed. Wow. I mean, I would, yeah, bring like university grading. I think like, a f- oh. I think I think even like... That's the difference between me and Charlie, by the way. <laughs> yeah. I think you'd give a first for certainly seven points. Whoa, that'd be great, yeah. That'd, that'd be amazing. I think even five points, I think, would be really, really good. Because that would mean... What's a 2-2? Two, two? This, this is for my a reference. A two, 2-2, two, I think... Slightly underwhelming career in the football media. Four, <laughs> of four points, but even that, I'd say I don't think that would be a disaster. 
I think like if it would slightly depends where they came, but if say they drew with Palace away, I don't think that's a terrible result. If they won the North London Derby and lost to Chelsea, they'd still be in a pretty good position having played Chelsea, Arsenal and City. And being completely realistic, how you feel about that month at the end is going to be determined entirely by the Arsenal yeah. result, isn't it? Like like you say, if they draw with, draw with Palace and lose to Chelsea, then Thank win you. Arsenal. Thank you. Now we've drilled down to the actual issue here that everything depends on how they get on. Look, yeah, don't get me wrong. If I'm picking one of those yeah. three games to win, it is definitely that. So hang on, let me just ask you a question. You've you just admitted there that you've got a 2-2 in your degree. I mean, That's right. Charlie's face, I mean, <laughs> the disdain was extraordinary. Um, uh, given that is essentially what you get for turning up, it's a consolation prize <laughs> at, a pri- exactly. at a primary school sack race. Did you go to the presentation ceremony and wear a mortarboard and all that? No, I actually didn't go. Oh, uh, good. Which is yeah, was was a bit of a shame because um, Damon uh, Damon Albarn was there. He did like that. He got like an honorary degree. Ah. Oh. Oh. Yes, so, you could have seen yeah. Damon. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just wondered. I mean, I didn't go either for my degree ceremony, but uh, I, I asked my parents once if they regretted they didn't get a chance to applaud me onto a stage <laughs> or get my degree. They both looked at me. They had no idea what I was talking about. None whatsoever. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Yeah, thank you once again for all the questions you sent in via The Athletic for the View from the Lane podcast. Um, obviously, we are biased towards anybody called Maurizio on this podcast. So Maurizio C's question went almost straight to the top of the pile. It was a question for Charlie Eccleshare. And Charlie, um, it's asking for a little bit of psychological um, insight from yourself here. He says, what is Nuno's relationship with Tangay? Uh, is, is this something that could be salvaged? Uh, then goes on to give his own opinions. Without Arie or Sissoko, it seems like Tange will be even more miserable and less likely to play. I'm hoping we can salvage something out of him because he's an immense talent. Let's take the immense talent as a given. Um, it's getting something out of this fellow now. And do you know what his relationship is like with the, with the new manager? Well, it's not been especially positive so far because Ndombele's wanted to leave the club. Um, obviously, for... A new manager coming in, you want players who are completely committed to the project. Now, I'm sure people listening to this will be screaming, "Well, what about Harry Kane?" You know, he didn't exactly, um, you know, scream commitment in a, you know, in, in that long running saga. But we don't need to go into that. Um, so, I don't think it's been particularly positive. I mean, Nuno is is quite distant from the players uh, outside of training. You know, training's where he comes alive. Uh, that's where he communicates with them. He's not someone who uh, particularly appreciates the uh, fabled knocking on the manager's door and asking why he's playing. And to be honest, Ndombele is not the kind of guy to do that anyway. He's very reserved, very shy. He didn't like. He doesn't like confrontation. He didn't like it with Mourinho. Doesn't like it with Nuno. So, you know, these two are not going to have spoken a huge amount to one another. It will ultimately come down to, you know, how how much Ndombele 
wants to try and prove himself, which, you know, he, from his point of view, he very much does. Um, and, and, and this, you know, this idea of whether he can reintegrate himself back into the team, I, I do think that's possible. Um, and the Europa Conference League, I think, will be really important for that because that will allow Nuno to play him without it seeming like, you know, he's done a 180 and is suddenly like, yeah, no, and Dombele, you're back in the team. It's a way of phasing him back. Um, and also, you know, this is a midfield that needs creativity. We know sure. that. Um, sure. You know, yet, yes, that they might play in a different way and so far it's worked well for them. But I think there are very few people who could have watched their game so far and say they wouldn't have benefited at some point in those matches from an Ndombele. Um, so, and, you know, Nuno would appreciate that. I don't think he's going to be so proud as to say, no, I'm not going to play him, especially because his reasons for playing him were that he, or part of them anyway, were that clearly Ndombele didn't really want to be there. But now he is there. He will, you know, try and get back into the team. And I I, I don't think it's over for him necessarily. Well, I'm, I'm glad to hear you say that because, because um, I want to be optimistic about this. I'm not. I have to tell you, I'm not. Um, but of course, football never ceases to surprise me health officials on the pitch in Brazil, notwithstanding. <laughs> um, James, we want this to go well. Building up your own stores of optimism, can you see any prospect of this turning out right for Spurs? Not in the long term, no. The way I can really see it going is him, is him coming back into the team. You know, he'll come back into the team in the Conference League games, I guess, won't he? Yeah. Um, and I kind of feel like we've seen this with, and I'm not comparing Ndombele as a player to some of these other players I mentioned, but people like Pavlichenko, who, you know, we're going way back mm-hmm. into the, the distant past now. But, you know, he, he kind of didn't set the world alight early on, wasn't in the team and then had a bit of a renaissance, I think, under Redknapp after like a, like maybe like two years at the club or whatever. And I can kind of see we might get a bit of that over the course of the season, you know, in, in the Conference League, maybe in the Cup competitions and obviously come into the league team and maybe show some flashes of that quality. But I, I just... I don't know, I just have my doubts that, that it's going to be like a long-term solution for him or for Spurs. The backup to those doubts, and this is another question from Mertzi M, is that, you know, he or she, I'm not sure what Mertzi, which, which gender it refers to, or if any, uh, for the fourth manager in a row now, we're trying to get the best out of Tanguy and Dombele, um, weren't the, scr- the scouting and recruiting team aware of the risks and his lack of commitment and training motivation? I mean, the problem for me there is I don't, I'm not sure that he had those problems at Lyon. And he seemed um, reasonably happy, and or, or was it that I'm going to hate? I hate to say this about a record transfer. Did Spurs, off the back of his extraordinary performances in the Champions League against Manchester City, did they buy? And this is no reflection on him—a pig in a poke. I mean, I think <laughs> also lack of commitment and training motivation is is maybe a bit harsh because um, we have know. no way of knowing, do we? Yeah, I think that's, that that's a slightly. Um, yeah, I, I don't. That might overstate it a bit. What I would say on this is that had Pochettino stayed, I think that is a really important thing to remember. And I think they, if you ask them, Pochettino and his team, they they really felt that they could get something out of Ndombele, that he could have been a success. I think that change in manager shouldn't be underestimated because he is a player who is not necessarily to everyone's taste you know and and Mourinho coming in it was always a pretty uneasy relationship what I would say on that as well just informing how we look at it now that you know uh, Mourinho called Ndombele out in that game against Burnley in March 2020 and he barely played in Project Restart and at that time everyone was saying the same things that this is it for Ndombele you know how's he ever going to get back in the team obviously then he did 
and was great. You know, he played really, really well in that period where Spurs went top. So I wouldn't necessarily rule it out. But I do think that sort of confluence of circumstances hasn't helped him. I mean, if you imagine, let's say Spurs had signed, when Spurs signed Deli Alley in 2015, if Pochettino got sacked a few months after that, there's every chance that the new manager coming in would have thought, well, where does this guy play? I don't really know what he does. And, and, and his career could have gone in a different way. So I do think those things have been unfortunate um, from Don Bele. And, and that, that's, what, that's what can happen when you change managers. And especially if you lurch from someone so diametrically yeah. opposed as Pochettino yeah. to Mourinho, that there is going to be collateral damage. And I think in Dombele, unfortunately, has been that so far. And I wondered on the, on the last day of the, oh, the last day of the transfer window when they were uh, sniffing around Adama Traore whether um, they had worked out that if you're going to have three hard-working, excellent footballers, all the rest of it, but no very little creativity in the midfield as Spurs have started the season with, you have to go the Liverpool route. Your front three then have to produce all the dynamism themselves, as Liverpool's fantastic front three has done for the past three or four years. Um, and it would have been Son, Traore and Kane. And maybe that was a, a part of the solution is to have all the creativity in the team, fullbacks notwithstanding, right at the front loaded. Um, but that didn't come off. So they're going to have to find something out of, out of Deli Alley, the Celso, or in Domble. Otherwise, um, the, the large Christian Eriksen-shaped hole in the team that's existed for some time is just going to get bigger and bigger. Just really quickly on that, um, I got a message on Twitter today from Gavin North, who, met, who made quite an interesting point similar to what you've said, but he, he emphasised the fullback element and said, if you remember, there was the talk about Liverpool in 2019-20 when their, sorry, 2018-19 when their title charge fell away. Yeah. The accusation was that they didn't have enough you know, creativity in midfield, mm. but they then went ahead with the same midfield and smashed the league the following season, partly because of that front three, but also because they're two extremely attacking positive fullbacks. And so I think what Gavin was saying was that Potentially, are Spurs going to try something similar with Regulon and Royale? Both, you know, they're kind of acting as extra attackers, and then you have that more solid central midfield three. Obviously, there's a big difference in the front three of Spurs mm-hmm. compared to Liverpool. Although you'd say with Kane and Son, you've got two absolutely elite yeah. players. There's definitely more goals there in those two. Yeah, exactly. And then if you know if Bergvine kicks on this season, or you know, Mora contribute hill hill comes in and, and you know so it's possible but 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 i agree that there's you know that there is still something missing that liverpool point does kind of underline the fact that you do sometimes just stumble into this stuff though right because liverpool were desperate to sign uh nabil fakir weren't they yeah absolutely was he playing for it at the time was he playing at leon at the time maybe? i think so but, but equally then it also it's a learning league isn't it james people yeah. saw that you can win the title um or do well let's call it that um, with without an obvious playmaker, but that does, yeah. and that's why when they didn't get Traore, I was in no way surprised they went out for the most attacking fullback they could find for the right hand side of the team because they are. Yeah, yeah, that completely. was the route they were obviously going. Hold the midfield, um, make a block of five between the two centre backs in the midfield, and then the other five go all out attack, and you don't have to have a lock picking uh, player in midfield. This is a good one. I'm interested in this. This is a question question from Charlie G. James, I'll ask you this. In terms of the top four, and I think when you started as well as Spurs have, you're allowed to dream of the top four. Which club out of Manchester City, Liverpool, even just reading these names out, it's frightened me a bit, uh, Manchester United and Chelsea might be the most likely candidate to slip up and leave a space for one of the chasing pack, who he seems to include Spurs, Leicester, West Ham, et al., no mention of the other North Londoners there. I mean, all these teams he talks about, Spurs and Leicester and West Ham, will be dreaming of the top four. But it is a, it is a quite a, a, so, a solid-looking group, that four, isn't it? 
Yeah, I mean, I think we talked about this last week. I mean, those four teams are incredibly strong. The what? I mean, Manchester City maybe haven't strengthened loads in bringing in Grealish in an, in an area where they're already quite strong, actually. So they, they probably haven't strengthened that much, but clearly they're head and shoulders above Spurs and those other teams in that group. United, obviously, have strengthened ludicrously this summer. Chelsea, again, have, have built well on what they had before, and I think they'll be really strong too. Liverpool are the one of those four who I would say are most at risk purely because their squad isn't massive. And I know they had a couple of injuries at the back last season, but that really did expose like how weak they were in midfield when they had to shift things around. So they would be the one who I'd say are most at risk of the four. But even then, I mean, I, I, it's hard to imagine. I mean, it is hard to imagine, isn't it, Spurs, Spurs finishing by Liverpool, unfortunately. Yeah, sure. Um, I, mean, I guess I, I, I presume, Charlie, you would agree um, that Liverpool were the, are the ones who look the most likely. Although their first 11, uh, their first 15, shall we say, um, still looks formidable. Yeah, I mean, I've, I have said on this podcast before, I do think generally you do have one of, even of those big four in inverted commas, you know, one has a uh, a difficult season for whatever reason. I mean, is it crazily optimistic to think United with all those signings, you know, in the way that Varane slightly upset the balance mm -hmm. all those years ago, sometimes when you bring in lots of huge names um, who kind of have to start games even if they don't merit a place. I always think that's maybe not the best place to be, especially if they're on the slightly older side. I'm not saying United are going to have a bad season, but I don't think it would be, you know, yeah. let's fast forward two months and everyone's saying wisely, you know, have they just gone for ready-made stars? Has that upset the balance and, and impinged Greenwood's development? You know, I They obviously have impossible. this whole midfielder as well, don't they? They haven't signed a defensive midfielder. Well, and, and with, you know, we saw what happened in the recent Euros. And with my Irish hat on, I watched uh, very intently the heartbreaking game between the Republic and Portugal the other night, um, in which Cristiano scored two extraordinary headers towards the end. I mean, once, once again, if you take Kane out of the equation, the next most effective player in the Premier League, Bruno Fernandes, spent the game, until he was substituted, running into the back of Cristiano Ronaldo. Not mm. just into his space, but physically into his back on one occasion. Mm. And there's the, there's, there's the place where Manchester United have got to work it out. Now, of course... They'll be training together every day rather than once every eight weeks. Um, and yeah. maybe they'll sort that out. But they, at a national level, they haven't sorted that. And equally, Bruno Fernandes, he does like a pot shot and, and he has converted quite a few of those into goals. Um, he will be frowned at from the centre-forward position um, if he does not be supplying said centre-forward um, with the ball rather more than he's been inclined to do when looking at the back of Anthony Martial's shirt. So they, they, they mean, they've got a, ke a chemical problem, Manchester United. Can they turn what are obviously brilliant ingredients into something attractive and winning? Um, we are, of course, here uh, just uh, checking with the National Union of Straw Clutchers to see if we're allowed <laughs> to do this. Yes, it's OK. It's OK. I've got the certificate. We are allowed to clutch exactly these straws. OK, well, much I've enjoyed the chaos and tumult of the international break. Of course, the football is coming back at the weekend. Spurs play Crystal Palace. We'll have a full preview of that in the Thursday edition of The View from the Lane. But uh, very quickly, your hopes and fears, James, for that game? It's just dawned on me that that was kind of a turning point last season, wasn't it? Palace away. That, that you know, terrible draw when uh, they'd been on top for much of the game and kind of handed the impotence back to Palace. So that's what I'm hoping doesn't happen. And you, uh, Charlie, uh, three points for the Spurs? I, w I always think with international breaks, fixtures like these, I haven't actually checked this. I don't know how many internationals Palace have, but I suspect it's not you know, as many as Tottenham who feel like they've had pretty much everyone away. I, I do always think that gives 
the, the team with the, the fewer internationals away a bit of an advantage, especially when it's the early Saturday yeah. kickoff. So I it wouldn't it wouldn't amaze me. And if especially it was a... when half your squad's in Croatia. Well, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, never never that great when you've got three of your players in a training camp uh, in Croatia. Uh, yeah, so I feel it might be one of those quite flat 12-30 games. Uh, it wouldn't massively surprise me if it was a low-scoring draw. Okay, well, listen, thank you uh, once again, particularly for, the, for that rather miserable end to the podcast. Yeah, sorry, that's really downbeat end. <laughs> thank Fuck you. it, no, it'll be 5-4 Spurs. <laughs> thank you very... Well, that'd be lovely, wouldn't it? Um, thank you very, very much indeed to both of you. Thank you all for listening to the podcast. And remember, if you're not already a subscriber, you can read Charlie's article on the situation in Brazil um, and, of course, Jack Pitt Brooks' view on it as well uh, by going to theathletic.com forward slash Spurs pod. And right now you can sign up with a 33% discount on a full subscription. And, of course, that's the way you'll be able to get your questions answered in future mailbag specials like today's. Uh, so it's a pretty good deal all round. As I say, we'll be back on Thursday. We'll look ahead to that game against Palace. We'll find out how it's going at Butlins in Croatia. Thank you for listening. The Athletic. <laughs>